The passage this morning is from Joshua 4, 1 to 7. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, I guess Remembrance Day for many of us might bring up a range of different emotions. We may have or know family members who are currently serving or perhaps have served. Some of us here may not have any personal connection whatsoever. But Remembrance Day and Remembrance Sunday is a time when we can all come together and remember the men and women who have given their life for their country in the world wars and conflicts since. Whilst we may all have those different emotions and different ideas about what it means and why we do this, I always find that it brings people together in a very unique way. No matter what our age, no matter what our background, we all unite together and the country falls silent. I guess if the vicar has his timings right this year. But we remember and we reflect as we allow some aspect of the reality of war to touch our souls I'm sure most of us are willing for a time when the wars will end. A time when peace will reign. A time when, as we say in the blessing, the peace of God which passes all understanding. If that is then prevalent over earth. That's the peace that we long for in the world. And if I'm honest with you, I never had any connection really to the armed forces until I spent that year with the Navy in Plymouth, serving at HMS Drake. I used to try and imagine what it must be like to serve on a ship, to serve on a naval base. But when I got there, it was nothing like what I imagined. Because as you walk through those gates, it is almost like a completely different world. In the south, people don't really say hello to you when you walk past them. I found that as a nice, friendly northerner. In Plymouth, people didn't say hello to you. But as soon as you got on that base, it was morning, 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 morning. People had respect for authority. You could tell that people there really wanted to be there. 
And friends, I could not have imagined that unless I'd seen it with my own eyes. At the moment, one of my things is that I'm reading through some of the SAS biography books because Amanda and I had a bit of a, a phase of watching SAS, Who Dares Wins? And we've been reading some of the books from the presenters and hearing them recount the stories of war really brings it home. The line in one book that said, I know most of those reading this will not understand what we've actually been through. Because it's words on paper. But there are so many people out there who have served, who have held a gun, have seen somebody in the sights, and have pulled that trigger. One of my times on board HMS Bulwark, they allowed me to try shooting off the back of the ship. It was completely clear sea when I was at sea. I wasn't ordained then, so I was allowed to hold a weapon. But I picked it up and I knew it was a blank and I knew that there was nobody there. And still I struggled to pull that trigger. And I remember turning round to the chap that was, that was stood with me. And I said, how do you do that? How do you do that if you know you are taking somebody's life? And do you know what his answer was? Well, if I don't take his life, he will take mine. It brings home the stark realities of war. I also remember vividly on my second week on the base, I went aboard a warship with the chaplain who always goes and speaks to a ship's company before deployment. I don't remember much of what happened there, but the words that are etched on my memory for, in my memory forever are, if you are under attack, these people will want to be killing you. It was the first time that that real reality of war and armed conflict hit me. There I was, sitting on board this ship with 50 or 60 sailors of Her Majesty's Royal Navy. And I was sat there thinking, I wonder how many of these will actually make it back from this deployment. Now thankfully, when I was there, it was a time when there wasn't that much conflict. The active theatres were Afghanistan and Iraq. And this ship was going, I think, to the Far East. But before all of this, in many ways, it had just been words for me. I'd done the, do th- the, the right thing. I remember, I'd always wear my poppy. I'd go and have, I'd stand at the cenotaph or the, or the war memorials. Never been to the cenotaph. The war memorials. And I would say, and I would have those two minutes of silence. But I just thought, well, this is something we do. But it's not just something we do. Many of us here may never get that close to the armed forces. But it shouldn't lessen the importance of what we do when we fall silent on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. Because being on that naval base during the remembrance season was something that I will never, ever forget. A base where there's thousands of people working, there is hustle and bustle everywhere. There is noise. Warships make a heck of a lot of noise. But when it came to 11 o'clock, and they timed it to absolute perfection, that as soon as that last post finished, it was 11.00.00. They timed it to absolute perfection. But the hustle and bustle of the base fell completely silent. We couldn't hear a thing. Thousands stopped what they were doing. And then the cannons went off. Ironically, the cannons actually set the car alarms off of those parks in the car park nearby because of the force of them. 
But I remember jumping out of my skin when that cannon went off. I was there when I was in, with the Navy speaking to people who had lost people in Iraq. They had lost people in Afghanistan. Some that I'd spoken to had served there as well. My line manager, when I first started, halfway through my time there, he got a call and he says, guess what, mate, you're going to Afghanistan. He went and served in Bastion. He had two twins who were three at the time. And he would end up missing their first day at school. But he did it for his country. That's the sort of sacrifices that I think, perhaps it's all too easy for us to think, well, that's what they do. But until it's somebody you know, and I may just be talking to myself here, but because it was somebody I knew, I realized, actually, this is more than just going to war. This is more than just going to serve. This is saying goodbye to loved ones for a long time. This is putting your life on the line. A few years ago, when Amanda and I were on our way back from Edinburgh, we were, it was the 11th of November, and we stopped at a petrol station just before 11. And it was really interesting because there was no announcement of what was going to happen. But suddenly, as it came towards 11, some people's eyes turned to the TV screen. And, and those people fell silent. And it was a really moving experience because we were stood there with these people who we didn't know. And we were silent. It brought us together in a way that probably would never happen normally. We'll probably never see them again. I don't even know their names. We were there united, remembering those who died in conflict. Yet those that weren't there at the start of the time, they came in going, oh, what's going on in here then? It's all, it's all silent. And it was a really jarring experience, having spent that time with the Navy, knowing that people just casually carrying on without any thought in the world. The silence, though, seemed to unite us. Silence, in many ways, is the language of remembrance. It somehow lends itself to the feeling, the memory, and the imagination. But there are two types of silence. There's the silence where no one wants to communicate. The silence that's hostile. The silence that feels frosty, thick, and awkward. The silence of irreconcilable hostility. When you think, well, they're not talking to me. That silence, in many ways, feels like we are actually shouting at one another rather than being silent with one another. And that's a silence that's very dangerous. Because when we stop talking to one another, that's when the guns and the bombs come next. It's a sort of silence that happens. Perhaps if there's been an argument in the home. Perhaps if there's been an argument in the church. Perhaps if there's been an argument at work and you don't want to talk to somebody. It's that sort of silence. And obviously when that's escalated country to country, you can see what happens. And we know in those moments there's something deep within us that we can sense is wrong. Something is wrong. The other type of silence, though, is really calm and mutual. It's recognizing that what matters is so much more than what words can say on their own. We say those words. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. They're words. 
We say, when you go home, think of them and say, for your tomorrow we gave our today. They're words. But that two minutes of silence is so much more than words. It's the silence that we can honor by actually shutting up for a bit. That's the sort of silence that we experience on Remembrance Day and Remembrance Sunday. We have to recognize what happened. We have to remember what happened. We have to remember that war is about sacrifice and shame. There comes a point where there are no more stories and no more songs that are needed. There comes a point when we simply just have to be silent together. We recognize that sometimes the most important thing for us to do is to hold our tongue and not say anything. I met, as I say, quite a few veterans over my time in the Navy. During my time in Cambridge, I also met one or two, and in curacy. And one thing that I notice about them, it's not necessarily the stories that they tell me. It's the stories that they don't tell. Those memories which are unspeakable. Those memories which they can't tell, perhaps by the Official Secrets Act. Or it's the memories that should never, ever be told again. And interestingly, going back to those books that I've been reading, most of them talk about the PTSD that they suffered when they came home because of the horrors that they had seen. I don't know about you though, but one of the things I notice when we fall silent is the sound of my own breathing. Perhaps it's something we often take for granted. How often do we stop and think about our breath? We all breathe the same air. It all goes in and out, each and every one of us. When we go silent, I notice that breath. And I try and remember that it's God that gives me that breath. I think it was Rob Bell a few years ago that said, try breathing and using the name of Yahweh as you breathe. As you breathe in, say his name. And as you breathe out, say his name. It's God that gives us the breath that we breathe. It's God that gave the soldiers the breath that they breathe. The British and German troops in World War I would have been breathing the same air. But it wasn't that the air quality was better on one side or the other. It would have been the same rotten smells. I guess that was what smell was in their nostrils as they breathed their last. Perhaps during World War II, it was those who fell under bombs would be the smell of dust and bricks and mortar as they breathed their last. Maybe it was burning houses. Maybe it was burning hair and flesh of their neighbors or loved ones. It become a part of who they are. I imagine it's the same for those in recent conflict. Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria. It's the hot and sandy air that they are breathing. It's harder to catch the breath. It's harder to compose yourselves if you're under attack. Wondering where the next IED is. Will if I take this step, will I blow up? Will it be the sniper that's got his sights trained on me, ready to pull that trigger? These were very real things that I was hearing 
from the sailors that I was seeing on, on a daily basis. Some of the chaplains were saying, when we were there, when we went silent, all we could hear was gunfire in the background, wondering, is that my friend? I always remember when he spoke of midnight communion in the desert. He said it wasn't cold and we weren't wrapped up in a cold church. We were out in shorts and t-shirt in the desert. We remembered that Jesus was coming to dwell among us. And yet all we could hear was the sound of gunfire. Really makes you think. It's all of these things though that force us to stop and remember. Memory and silence. Sense of smell. The sound of breathing. Basic components of humanity. Those who made the ultimate sacrifice will all have memories. They will have had the smells. They will have breathed. No matter what our background, no matter what the color of our skin is, no matter what our nationality, all of these things unite humanity together. And it allows us to show the empathy and unite in solidarity with each other. It makes us not only want peace and prosperity for ourselves, but for all of humanity. It makes us want that peace which passes all understanding. And it's an ambitious hope for the world that we live in. But we know that in our search for it, there will also be sadness and tragedy. There will be sacrifice. There will be broken hearts and bodies. And it's the power of remembrance that connects us in our sadness. And inspires us for the future. We remember not to allow the past to capture us in the worst moments. But to look to the future and build us up in hope. To not only honor the fallen, but to raise them up in our hearts. To promise to live lives worthy of their sacrifice. Remembrance is important. Jesus knows the power of remembrance. When he takes the loaf of bread. He blesses it and he breaks it. And he gives it to his friends saying, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. He then gives his friends the wine. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. We still do that now. We still remember what Jesus did when we share in Holy Communion. He is reminding his disciples and through his disciples us to remember the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid when he died for us on the cross and reconciled us to God. The things that we do like that are part of the kingdom of God. The long hope for future of justice and peace, mercy and truth, which will be complete. Where death is no more, tears are no more, and all is finally as it should be. Through the remembrance of what Christ did for us, we can look forward to the kingdom that's not yet fully realized here. And through that comes a forgiveness of sins. Our hearts and our souls are cleansed of our faults and failures and the all too painful realities that accuse us. And we think of the qualities of others and we accuse them, but then we judge ourselves. We judge others. We accuse ourselves. We judge ourselves by the sacrifices we've made. 
Our reading also reminds us that we are to remember. The Lord instructs Joshua to remember that they crossed the Jordan. The Israelites remember what the Lord has done for them. We too remember what the Lord has done for us. Remembrance, therefore, friends, is scriptural. It's right here in the Bible. It is important to remember. To remember the things we have done. To remember the things that the Lord has done. Indeed, when we read this book, we can read about all the things that the Lord has done since creation through to what will happen when the end times come. We as disciples of Jesus Christ living here on earth in 2021 are called to remember. Not just remember that the Lord, what the Lord has done for us individually, but remember what the Lord has done for us corporately as a church, as a church here in Bushmead, as the church in Luton, as the wider church. We're called to remember the saints who have gone before There's certain feast days in the Church of England where we remember the disciples. We remember those who have been uh, given a sainthood. We call to remember those who gave their all. Remembrance is scriptural. It's a time when we can come together. And it's it's important that we never forget all those things that the Lord has done. It's important to remember, as I said last week, that still, small voice, that gentle whisper. Perhaps it's the Lord saying, well, remember. Remember, I did this for you. Remember, I did this for the church. Remember, I died for you on the cross so that you can be reconciled to God. It is our duty this day to remember the fallen who have given everything in the pursuit of peace. Those who have given their life, their health, their youth and their future. We in our remembering vow to give ourselves to the good of humanity. Especially of the generations still to come. Who will continue to stand in silent remembrance. And grow in hope for a future. It's our duty to remember what the Lord has done through good times and in bad. It is our duty to share that with the world outside. So next time we stand in silent remembrance. We can grow in the hope of a world that is full of peace. We can grow in hope of a world where everything will be complete. But this day we remember the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month when the guns finally fell silent. Amen.